morning, good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the case may be around this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition, live on this Sunday night, November 5th, 2023, of The Other Side of Midnight. We have a really interesting show tonight with our old colleague and friend, uh, Stephen Bassett. Stephen has launched what I think is perchance the most important activist UAP, UFO, ET initiative, uh, maybe of his entire career. He has obviously spent a lot of time in Washington, patrolling Capitol Hill, lobbying various representatives, becoming a member, uh, running for the uh, uh, membership of, of Congress several years ago. And of course, talking to media, major media all over the world regarding what he and I have considered uh, separately through separate tracks, potentially the most important political venue that you can imagine, which is disclosure of this extraordinary fact that the US government has known that the human race is not alone for at least 76 years, give or take. And maybe, depending upon documents and records and uh, ancient text for a lot, lot longer. Well, tonight he's launched this new initiative. Actually, it was a couple of days ago. And so we're going to spend considerable time tonight talking about activism in the era of government acknowledgement that the subject itself is not Looney Tunes. And I'm going to get into the angle tonight that it's not an accident that, in fact, it's the military, it's the DOD, it's the Defense Department, it's the executive branch acting under the aegis of the president as commander-in-chief, which has run point on this latest um, epic of disclosure, and that the civilian side of the House, which is NASA, has come second and even at the moment, a kind of a distant second. And we'll get into the details and parsing which road is more potentially um, uh, efficacious and is going to yield more fruit sooner because we don't have a lot of time. And I'll explain what I mean by that momentarily. Tonight, for you who are new to the show, and I've noticed that we've had a lot of uh, hits on the website uh, for the last uh, 24, 48 hours, you want to go to the other side of midnight.com. You're probably already listening on that. And somewhere in your listing, either on your computer or your smartphone, there will be a banner which says the other side of midnight. And tonight it says, rather grandly, Hollywood Disclosure Alliance <clears throat> with our primary and sole guest tonight, Stephen Bassett. Click on that banner on the homepage. That will take you to the guest page. And under the guest page, you will see fast links to items. Click on my name. That takes you to the section of the page we title Radio with Pictures. And uh, there are several items there tonight. Let me actually refresh my screen so we get this properly loaded. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we are living in very, very perilous times. I have not felt this apprehensive of World War Three, a nuclear World War Three, since the 1960s, since like 
around, you know, when Kennedy was assassinated, but just before when he uh, was able to uh, negotiate a successful nuclear test ban treaty with then the archenemy of freedom democracy in the American way, the old Soviet Union, with its premier, with the chairman of the Soviet Union Communist Party, uh, Khrushchev. When they reached that agreement, a lot of people took a collective sigh of relief because the specter of nuclear war dramatically and visibly receded when we reached that agreement, when Kennedy reached that agreement with the Soviet Union. This afternoon, uh, bringing us full circle, uh, the current uh, Prime Minister of Israel, Bibi Netanyahu, one of his cabinet, one of his really radical, racist, Nazi-fied, right-wing cabinet members, raised in an interview the specter of Israel basically eliminating the Gaza Strip and the Hamas problem by means of nuclear weapons. Now, it turns out that Netanyahu responded promptly and appropriately by basically um, suspending uh, his cabinet position. It's not a minister, uh, so I understand, who actually has access to nuclear weapons or even gets security briefings as to the uh, status of their readiness, etc., etc. But the fact that, A, he acknowledged that they should simply eliminate the problem with a nuke or two, and B, that they should be basically to eliminate the Palestinians, the 2.2 million civilians living in the Gaza Strip, uh, tells us two very, very important things. One is this minister is acknowledging for the first time officially, as part of the current Israeli government, that Israel possesses nuclear weapons. Many, many, many years ago, I was brought in to consult for one of our CBS uh, correspondents who literally flew physically to Berkeley, California, to consult with me over the means of deployment uh, from South Africa of a nuclear weapon that was tested, according to all the technical signatures, uh, over the uh, South Pacific Ocean. And I had some certain information about a uh, private contractor who had been working uh, uh, on a delivery system that did not involve rockets. Well, we've come a long, long way since Israel, with its nuclear expertise, actually helped the South Africans develop their own nuclear technology. Tonight, we have a cabinet minister, you know, again, under Netanyahu, threatening the Gaza Strip with nuclear annihilation. This, of course, comes on the heels of Putin, you know, Vladimir Putin, who over the last uh, couple of years of the Ukraine war, has repeatedly raised the same specter. We are closer tonight in terms of the uh, atomic energy, uh, bulletin of atomic energy uh, scientists or bulletin of atomic scientists with their clock, you know, just before midnight, indicating the distance between now and nuclear Armageddon than we have ever been in the history of the bulletin keeping such a clock. And it only goes to show that if we ever needed full disclosure 
of the relationship of the human race to everybody else out there and the fact that we have been estranged for decades um, it is what's been going on in the last uh, month in Israel and Gaza because what we're seeing is such a disproportionate response to the horrific annihilation of 1400 Israelis by Hamas you know, on October 7th there are now close to if not exceeded 10,000 Palestinian deaths in Gaza as of tonight. 99.9% of them are civilians. If you look at the percentage of Hamas, which is roughly 30,000 fighters, so we're told, and then you kind of just double that, let's say it's 50 or 60,000. The percentage of those people working or steering or controlling or governing uh, the Gaza Strip under the, the aegis of Hamas is a minute fraction of the total number of civilians, half of which are children under the age of 18 in the Gaza Strip. We're, we're watching genocide. And of course, my mind goes to far beyond the conventional explanations. Because I'm wondering, and this is part of what I want to talk about with Steve tonight, we have been very, very volatile and um, uh, vociferous on the idea that all that's being held from us in this UFO ET vein should be disclosed. And we have our reasons out here. The in crowd, the deep state, whatever you want to call it, they have their reasons for not telling us the truth. And I can't help looking at Israel tonight what's happening in Ukraine, what happened in Lahaina, what happened in Hawaii a few years ago, what has happened consistently across the years of the hidden and suppressed reality of extraterrestrials doing really crazy things in our skies is the knowledge that the government, that the so-called deep state has, that some of those folks out there are not our friends. In fact, they are our enemies and they are trying to basically get rid of us. And what better way than to trigger through whatever extraterrestrial influences they possess. And remember Arthur Clarke's dictum, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Suppose you posit a technology which literally can control or at least heavily influenced from outside the human mind. What if you could, with a technology sufficiently advanced, influence people like the leadership of Hamas to launch this extraordinarily annihilating holocaust uh, of, of four weeks ago? Suppose you could equally influence the top government leaders in Israel to respond with a totally over-the-top, disproportionate response. Suppose you could be doing the same thing with Putin and with Ukraine and other hotspots. And suppose it's all aimed at the ultimate objective of getting us, the human race, to quietly, well, not so quietly, by a nuclear technology, commit suicide and thereby eliminate the problem which has persisted for almost a century in the modern era of the isolation of the human race from everything else out there and everyone else and those that would 
would covet planet Earth, or at least the silence of its currently dominant technological species. All of this has to be, comes along with the ride. It has to be part of the conversation because the doorway that we have walked through into this new era of open disclosure and the DOD setting up a specific office looking at the UAP UFO phenomenon and NASA on the civilian side of the house, so-called, doing the same thing. All of that is now on the table because our, our, our olive branch, our opening, our tendril of, of openness and disclosure is not from the civilian scientific side, it's from the military. Is that another Emily Dickinson code telling us in fact that our problem is not even so much with us as it is with something out there that is trying and is very close tonight to succeeding in making us the problem simply go away. And if there are any powers higher, all they can say is, well, they were too damn dumb not to kill themselves by suicide and nuclear weapons. Stephen Bassett is a political activist, a disclosure advocate, and the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group, founded in 1996 to end a government-imposed embargo on the truth behind extraterrestrial-related phenomena. I like the way he says that, because that, of course, includes artifacts. Anyway, you can read all the rest of his bio. You know, that's Stephen. He's been on the show a million times. I've known him for almost a million years. Uh, Stephen, we really need to have the conversation tonight. Are you there? Unmuting helps. Yes, there I you are. am here. Yes, yes. Yeah, sometimes all those switches get confusing. I know. <laughs> it's late, uh, Dick. Uh, it's always late when I do your show. <laughs> it's only nine o'clock in California. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you, well, you've you've recovering from this other bout of COVID, which I don't want to go into because I hate people with telling symptoms. But it was it was bad, and you're on the on the mend. But we obviously will make allowances. So. Did you hear how I'm putting this conversation tonight in context? I think this is the most important conversation going on on the planet right now because it's the only thing big enough to change the incredible stupidity of the human race. Well, I agree with that. Uh, absolutely. And I've said it many times. Um, most of the other things you said I don't agree with. But nothing unusual about that right there. Um, uh, but, yeah. Uh, it, what can I say? Uh, I I never envisioned. Well, I knew things were going to get bad. I've been saying that for a long time. But I, you didn't know in what way. In other words, there's many ways that awful can happen. So, not surprisingly, this particular set of circumstances, I must, I must admit, is fairly impressive. I mean, the human race has been, well, behaving badly for ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, it just continues to get worse and worse and worse. I mean, we do what we can to, to keep our numbers down, but it doesn't work. We keep, we've bred up to 8 billion, and that includes all the effort the mosquitoes have gone into, and that, that's their only job is culling out the large mammals. 
So God knows, I mean, we could get up to 15 billion, but we won't because we kind of reached our limit. And in other words, you, it's like in life, you can, you can become an addict, you can do a lot of things that are destructive, but only up to a point, in which case it ends. Uh, and that's true of societies, just as it is of people. And we have pushed it right to the limit. Uh, and the set of circumstances we face now is interesting, I must say. Um, well, when, and, when, when you say you disagree with what I said, I'm saying we're having help crossing the cliff and diving into the ocean like lemmings. Yeah, and if, I disagree. If, if, if you were a bad ET, yeah, would, if, would you acknowledge if, that there could be bad ETs? Again, there's bad and there's bad. If we're well, talking bad about meaning e they want to extinguish the human race. They're again. absolute, ultimate genocidal racists out there. Okay. I, Let, I, all I right. have so, absolutely zero confidence in that being the case. Why? Why? Zero. Look at human history. Again, human history. I'm, I'm talking, yeah, but you're about, thinking, we're talking about ETs. Yeah, but you're thinking, I mean, again, ET is not the proper term. You're thinking aliens. I'm thinking human family no longer on Earth, but extraterrestrial because of where they hang their hat. Well, we're getting into deeper into the woods. Uh, I just don't, those premises do not carry with me. They don't hold up. Uh, and I don't support them. It's that simple. Well, that obviously uh, then is your choice, but I would like to believe that reality is not about choices, it's about finding out. If I, in, I if try in to fact, deal with reality if, all the time. If, in fact, the human race has enemies and it, they've been kept in check by some kind of federation or empire or whatever, is still, we're still here. In terrestrial geopolitics, there come these breakpoints where you know, the guardrails collapse and the worst happens. We're looking at the Mideast tonight. Why would that not, that same model, be true on a galactic scale? Given Look, that, given that ETs, aliens, are as biological, if they're in three dimensions, as the rest of us, they've been subject to the same laws of, you know, um, uh, uh, you know cat, and, cat and dog, you know, tooth and nail, evolution, selection of the fittest, all of that, and just on another planet, another solar system, or many. And if those folks developed technology and, and had the same kind of militaristic bent that all kinds of human cultures have had, again, what is to say that, that the first contact we make is not with the good guys, but the bad guys? Is that a question? Well, yeah. What is to say is the evidence we have regarding the extraterrestrial presence, and we have a great deal. Uh, many people don't fully appreciate that because the government has claimed that there's nothing there, so there can be no evidence for it, but of course, that's all changing now. And so I sit in a room with about 500 books, probably 5,000 have been written about this subject over the last 70 years, um, and we have thousands of contactees that have come forward in various ways. We have their, we have the behavior of ETs. There are a lot of things they do, which we are quite well aware of. We know a great deal about them. And uh, when you look at what we know, you, that's not the conclusion that I would come to. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we, it's possible hang on, hang anything. On, hang on. We, we only know a selected data set. We know from human reports from those that are abducted. We know from patterns of lights in the sky and, you know, mm -hmm. photography and other technological means to verify spacecraft, et cetera, et cetera. If there was someone here that wanted to do us in, 
Why would they make a frontal attack? Why would they try to invade? Why would they not try to subvert and let us do it from ourselves because they're coming from a technological base which allows that kind of control of mind and spirit and choice? Why would, they, why would we even know they exist if they're in the shadows and very nicely never let us know that they're out there? Dick, look, he said we have a limited data set. Yeah, it's limited, of course. Hopefully it'll grow. But that's the data set we have. But it's not and uniform. It's not, it's not even scale. It's, in other words, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing that it's canted in the direction of the good guys who are trying to keep us alive. And the bad guys will never let us know they're there until it's too late. And the good guys may be in some kind of some agreement where, you know, it's like the, it's like the um, uh, you know, prime directive. They can't let us know they're bad guys for some reason. Well, if the bad guys uh, want to provide lots of evidence for how bad they are, I'll take it into consideration. Well, we have human not... mutilations going back to the 1940s. Again, I want to see that evidence. Well, talk, I to, want to... talk to Linda Moulton Howe. She is our resident expert on the planet in in. Well, I'm not unfamiliar with Linda Moulton-Howe, and and I'm uh, and I'm not that familiar that she has been putting out an extensive case for lots of human uh, mutilations. Uh, but look, I work from the data set that is known to me. I have no interest in the endless poss possible speculations about what could be untold numbers of species in the galaxy and what they could do or not do. I'm interested in what we know and what, what we can expect. All that speculation really doesn't accomplish much other than it's an intellectual exercise. Certainly in a post-disclosure world, as we learn more information, then of course we'll expand our assessment of these ETs. And maybe we'll learn something that says, oh my God, they've been manipulating this forever. Ultimately they want us to all die and go away. Maybe, but I don't think so. Yeah, but right, think there's too is much not evidence know. to the country. Think is not no. If, if well, you nobody were, knows. If you were, ah, sure. but, but remember, species stay alive by being paranoid. Gaza has been referred to as the world's largest open-air prison. A model I am presenting, you know, putting forth, is that in terms of certain ETs, aliens, the Earth is the largest open-air prison. And you don't let the prisoners know they're in prison if you have the technology to make them think they're free. Remember Charles Fort, who wrote a book called The Book of the Damned? Yeah, I know. All right. Well, Charles Fort said somewhere in that book that we are property. Yeah, that was well, an interesting point that he made, but uh, I, did, I don't see the support for but it. But again, if, I don't think if, he had it. if you're dealing with a selected data set where you know you don't have the whole truth, Exactly. It would be dumb not to be paranoid and think outside the box. I can cite you examples in the last few years of what clearly looked to me like evidence of extraterrestrial intervention in a very negative way, which are constantly dismissed as by the conspiratorialists as the deep state. Like, you know, somewhere deep in the U.S. government, we would kill our own citizens like what happened in Lahaina. The signatures of the weapon, whoa, 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 the whoa, signatures whoa, whoa. of what were used to okay. burn Lahaina, are identical to the signatures we see in New York that brought down the World Trade Towers. And I'm not talking weaponry that we even understand. I'm talking technology capable of disintegrating matter and turning cars to toast Dick, and leaving bits want of paper right look. alongside untouched. 
Dick, if the point of our discussion tonight is for you to present a, your entire cosmic worldview, fine. If it's to have a discussion, we got to go a different direction. But let me make a clear point. Well, we both have not, our positions. I just want to I know, nail but down. I just, but you, I, 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 but you you're, are you are you are Pollyanna, and I am trying not to be. And if Pollyanna. we're gonna, and if we're can, well, because if you don't acknowledge there are bad guys in the universe, you know, you haven't ever talked to a metaphysician. I didn't say there weren't bad guys in the universe. There may be. You said right? we have no evidence. And I think we, we have don't abundant have, evidence. We don't have evidence to support the kinds of speculations that you're putting forward. But let me, before we go forward, I want to make a very clear point. Okay. I do not believe for one microsecond that what happened in Lahaina was anything other than extraordinary events due to the weather and due to other circumstances. Lahaina wasn't destroyed by Jewish space lasers or anything else. It was destroyed by an extraordinary fire uh, as a result of several circumstances. Now, other people can think what they want, but there's no way I'm going to be in a show where somebody says that and I remain silent, making people think that, oh, yeah, well, Steve thinks that could be possible. No, I do not. Why would, you, why, I, would any, why would anybody think that you share my data set? Because you obviously don't. You have not looked at it like I have. Well, I just emphasize that I don't share that data set. That's fine. Really? You, you were totally a time, right. You totally open to disagree. When you have to, you have to speak up. Not always. Okay. Uh, let me let me give you another. Let me give you another really interesting wrinkle. I presume mm -hmm. you've been following. We got about four minutes till the bottom of the hour. So I'll tell you, let me let me save this um, mm -hmm. until the past the break because it's important in the context of what's going on, who knows what. And what can the human race collectively do about it? And I think, you know, the idea that we have intelligence flitting around that's not interacting with, with consciousness here, I just find unbelievable. You know, who would spend thousands of years just looking at another species and never try to interfere or interact or manipulate to try to produce whatever outcome, good or bad? Well, they do interact with us. Well, they do we only know the story of those that are openly interacting. We don't well, know the story of those who are not. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know, the, the unknown unknowns. So we have a selective data set. Yeah, we okay, always have a selective all right. data set. So That's true in everything, including one of science. My, well, one of my questions is, how can we get more data? Well, disclosure would help. Yeah, but if, if all right, we are so close, but we've been close for a long time. True. How do we push it over the edge? Which, of course, is my way of segueing in the next uh, segment to your launching <laughs> of this very interesting and I think really critical Hollywood Disclosure Alliance. Because, frankly, I think the real war is going to be won at the level of people's consciousness and awareness of the facts, and that means Hollywood. Well, I'm not at war. Uh, I'm an activist, but I'm not at war. Wars are bad, and I'm not going to participate in any. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the situation now is actually disclosure is being delivered up to us. The government is actually taking care of this for us, and we don't really have to push so much. It's, it's just kind of get out of the way and maybe thank them a lot for the things that they're doing. This is almost over. Uh, uh, and that's something that I've talked about extensively and caught probably 200 interviews in the last couple of years. And I'm happy to repeat my thinking on this. But everything that's happening, everything I'm following keeps confirming it month after month. Well, what I see, and I'm looking at it obviously from an outside perspective, 
is a very uh, what was what was the term that uh, what's her name used in um, uh, the Iron Man a hot mess. There, there are so many conflicting stories in the UFO, UAP conversation that sure. nobody knows what to believe. And I well, think, and I think yeah. let me finish the thought, and then yeah. we'll go to a yeah. break, and then we'll come back, and we can have you know, a half hour of fun and, and whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think that if someone was trying to confuse everybody so real disclosure does not take place on the timeline that's required – that would be one of the things that fifth columnists, humans that are not working maybe for humanity, would be doing assiduously here on Earth. What would- We're talking this morning with Stephen Bassett, who is my prime guest, my sole guest for the next three hours, actually two and a half. What I want to grapple with is if it's so critical to the existence, continued existence of humanity, that disclosure proceed at full pace, how can we, on the outside, make it over the finish line? How can we accelerate it? What do we need to do as citizens to push the river? You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, the 5th of November of 2023. Is everyone aware that exactly 365 and a quarter days from tonight, the 2024 election, perchance the most important election in my lifetime, if not the most important election maybe in the last 243 whatever years since the country was born, is going to take place. And do not pay any attention to the polls. The polls are crazy. The polls are, you know, clickbait for news organizations that have 
hundreds of hours to fill, and so they talk endlessly about the polls. What we really should be focusing on is what's going on in the world. And somehow, making the whole disclosure, controversy, and challenge part of the 2024 campaign. Stephen? Yes? Well, what do you think? Should we? Can we? How do we do it? Where I think things are going is that uh, we're still on a time... Uh, I think we still have time to get the disclosure thing out of the way before the campaigns get underway in earnest, which I'll set at the the, the, the weeks leading up to the first primary, wherever the hell that is. Um, there is plenty of time. Well, the Iowa caucuses are in February. No, yeah, right. It, so it, it all starts then. And, never been and, much of a fan of the Iowa caucuses, and, but, but yeah, but, February. Yeah, but, yeah, but remember, the mainstream is not you and me. I know. Trump know. is going to win the caucus. He's going to have a clean you know, runway to to the nomination. He is a lead pipe cinch. There's nobody else on the on the runway who can even match him. He's at what, 45, 48, something like that? Overwhelming. The question is about the other side, Biden. You know, there are serious questions about Biden's health, his age. He has so far operated brilliantly, but can that continue for another four years? Is there a fallback position? In other words, we could be looking at by default another Trump presidency. Well, we've wandered off the point. No, we haven't, because is Trump going to decide to go along with disclosure like the guy in the current White House who has a piece of ET technology in the Oval Office from NASA? But the point was, right, uh, is how might disclosure uh, uh, connect up with the campaign? Right. And I'm saying, again, that there's still time to get disclosure done before the campaign gets underway in earnest, which, again, I, I'll, I'll say that's the, the lead up to the uh, Iowa caucus. The, the, the NDA bill, which is quite extraordinary, <clears throat> is, was pushed back uh, because of the uh, Michigash going on in the House. So it's slated to be uh, mid-December. They're going to reconcile it, vote on it, and it would be signed by the president on December 21. Um, now, of course, there is the potential that there's going to be another uh, substantial distraction over funding the government. Now, the NDAA bill is not the same thing as funding the government bill. It's kind of separate. You could, you could pass the NDAA even if you didn't fund the government. It's an authorization. It authorizes the way things are going to go. It doesn't necessarily raise the money. So... Again, we do have a mess here in terms of a political mess, which is has has somewhat its own origin. It it, it it's not ET related in any way. Uh, it just happens to be the circumstances. However, um, ultimately, uh, the whole thing could be force majeure, meaning we have the witnesses ready to testify before the appropriate committee, which is the Senate Intel. If those witnesses are allowed to come in and testify under oath before the Senate Intel Committee, that testimony will blow the truth embargo up. It'll be the end. And it will set the stage for the government, to, for the president, to simply confirm the ET presence. It's completely non-political. It has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. Uh, and 
the only thing preventing it from happening is is Mark Warner. Mark Warner can call that hearing anytime he wants to. The witnesses are ready to testify, I assure you. Well, the problem I, the problem I have, Stephen, is that we're all being incredibly distracted by something incredibly serious, which is the Hamas-Israeli war. And, and, and the whole no, no, no. World's ending World War Three events are not always something. They now have two major wars since World War Two going on right now tonight. Both of them have people threatening nukes as yeah. part of one side. Well, that's never happened in my lifetime. Mm, you know, it's pretty well. Khrushchev would would, would, would was pounding the table and talking well, about that. But look, he, he, the point you're making is legitimate. Thank uh, you. Thank you. The, so the, what the I first... want, what I want you to know is how can we not wait for the political process to catch up, but move the political process? There's not much we can do at this point. In other words, everything has been put in place. The last piece of that need to be put in place was the legislation. The legislation that uh, is we're waiting, hopefully, to be, to be signed in December. That then it's all done, but that's not disclosure. In order to get set the president up to be able to disclose, we've got to have that hearing. Now, again, no matter what's going on in the world, there there is technically nothing preventing Mark Warner from from having that hearing. Except uh, distraction. Again, again, there's nothing. A distraction doesn't prevent him. It could be an excuse so not to. So you're saying to. the fate of humanity rests on one person, Mark Warner. I happen to think that Mark Warner literally stands on the cusp of history right now like few ever had. Whether he knows it or not, I don't know. I'd love to talk to him, but I'm not one of the people that gets invited to soirees on the Hill. Uh, but the fact is that he can call this hearing at any time. Now, this point has come up several times in my previous uh, uh, presentations or, or talks, uh, and it's always the same point, and I get it. And my answer is always the same. <clears throat> Everything that is happening right now that we don't like, uh, which obviously includes the bl massive blow-up in the Middle East, the statements being made by various people that are pretty much over the top, the still ongoing war in Ukraine, all of that, as well as the political mess in the United States. All of that is exactly the reason why Mark Warner needs to call the hearing, because none of that can prevent it. There's no way that anybody in the Middle East can prevent Mark Warner from calling a hearing. The president can't even prevent it. And so if he calls that hearing, it opens, it, it sets the stage for the president to confirm it could happen within a within a week or two, tops. Okay, so now if the confirmation comes from the president, disclosure is out of the way. It could be early January. It could be mid-January. But it won't be in December because, again, the bill hasn't been signed. It's been pushed back. And so we could be, say, the end of January, we've got, we've got the confirmation. Now, we still have a mess in the Middle East. We still have Ukraine. We still have insane politics. All right? Uh, and we still have a tremendous threat of nuclear war. However, that we have that now, except in that case, we will be in the post-disclosure world. And we'll be able to address all of these horrendous problems from, I'm pretty confident, a very different perspective. So we're hinging all this on hearings in the Senate and the Intel Committee yes. that have not been scheduled, are not on the on the radar. No one we knows don't what know that. Is, We don't know, of course. But you we know Gillibrand, but you, but Gillibrand, you, Gillibrand said there would be some. But we know under, what, been, under what time frame? 
She didn't give a time frame, but she said it was going to be one of the Intel committee. But then there were some odd things that happened, and most of that involved David Grush. We did get a hearing in the in the uh, the House, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't the one we were supposed to have, and it created a little distraction. But overall, there's been no indication whatsoever that the Intel committee, the Senate, was not going to hold a hearing. We do know that Turner, who is the head of the Intel committee in the House, after a lot of fufa that followed the, 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 the subcommittee hearing with David Grush and Fravor and, 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 and uh, Graves, that there would be no hearings in the House. And a lot of, no more on that subject. A lot of people misinterpreted that. I think they thought that this was the House saying, oh, yeah, we got to shut this down. We can't go into the subject. No, I, that's not it. I think he was reflecting some backroom discussions in which he was kind of told, look, this thing has got to happen in the Senate. It's got to happen in front of the Senate intel. We cannot have any more House hearings. This is way bigger than that. It's not that the House isn't important. It is. But not everything is suitable for every situation. There are protocols. And I think he recognized that and he shut that down, which was another way of saying the next hearing has got to be in front of the Senate intel committee. So I know enough about what's happening behind the scenes. I have some some access, not direct, but indirect, that things are kind of moving along pretty well. Uh, well, I and, would beg to differ because yeah. we have a new bizarre right-wing idiot speaker of the House, mm-hmm. a, a Christian nationalist who has put forth a bill that was voted on by the Republican majority to basically <laughs> give aid to Israel only if 14 whatever billion is subtracted from the IRS funding under the uh, uh, previous uh, Biden law, which would gut it in terms of going after billionaires who are not paying taxes. And there is a loggerhead between the House and the Senate. The Senate has a much more bipartisan uh, idea which involves Ukraine, Taiwan, southern border. You know, it's kind of like an omnibus for national security. And there's going to be this food fight going on for maybe months between this right-wing speaker and his Republican, you know, coterie and the Senate, and they will have no time to think of anything else because this is priority, again, World War Three. Well, I disagree. First of all, I wasn't precise. When I said things are going well, I wasn't referring to any of what you just talked about. I'm referring to the disclosure process underway. Uh, all right, let me stop It's going there. forward Hang pretty on. well. Talk about how it's going, because all we're hearing here in the peanut gallery is that nobody can agree on anything. Arrow is claiming that nothing that Grush said was real. It was all lies. There's food fights all over the place, people taking sides, the usual confusion of war, you know, the fog of war, and no one knows who to believe. So how is that progress? Well, first of all, that's not what's going on. Uh, It's quite a bit different than that. Then please tell us. Well, okay. First... And we will eventually get to Abby Loeb, but this is more important. Go ahead. Oh, well, if you insist. But the point is is that uh, the, uh, the legislation, the extraordinary legislation, which anybody can go read, it's up on the You mean the in, in, in this latest version of the NDAA? That's right. Which is it's not law ex- yet and doesn't look like it's going to become law, given the uh, food fights. Again, uh, the passing of the NDAA is not – uh, the same thing as the, uh, the, the the spending bill, and so and it, and and everybody has admitted that the issue is bipartisan. It's not political, and so the idea that 
that they're going to they, – they may hold up the spending issue. They, this may go brinksmanship. But I, I'm not assuming that they're going to hold up the NDA bill because, after all, that is the National Defense Authorization Act. Look at Tuberville. What kind of an idiot he has been in holding up 350 high-level appointments of the military that require Senate confirmation. And we just had the commandant of the Marine Corps you know, go to the hospital because of a heart attack because he's working two jobs simultaneously. And Tuberville, who is threatening national security, will not move. Well, Tuberville is utterly irrelevant to the NDAA. And he can't block it. That's a special circumstance. I really don't care what Tuberville is doing. Well, wait, do we, do, do we know that for a fact? That yeah. He, that one senator cannot block? I thought he could put a hold on anything. One senator uh, in terms of uh, current rules. Yeah. Uh, uh. Can we fa- when it comes to there's a special circumstances with respect to appointments, and he's taking advantage of those. But I just don't care about him; he's irrelevant. Well, so, I'm looking at his potential influence on the NDAA that we know has this language, you know, from Schumer, basically creating another step forward, a major step, right? Look, that language has been up uh, on the Senate side for a long time. Uh, it's gotten great reviews from the people. Social media loves it. The people love it. Everybody is happy about it. And overall, it's pretty much outside of all the other nonsense that's going on. And again, uh, just as uh, Rothman, I think it's Rothman, I forget his name, the the chairman of the Oversight Committee uh, greenlit a subcommittee hearing. In the Senate, you mean? In the House. Oh, okay. And you had that subcommittee hearing. And there was nothing that could have stopped it. He put it together. He put it together in six days. Okay? So, again, there is absolutely nothing to prevent uh, Mark not Mark, yeah, Mark Warner from bringing the witnesses in and having the hearing that we've been heading for all this time. Nothing. Now, if you want to make up excuses, I mean, if he doesn't want to do it, uh, then he can come up with whatever excuses he wants. But we have no indication that he doesn't want to. But we know it hasn't happened yet. And I think one of the the aspects that uh, I wasn't factoring in early, of course, I've, I've been pressing to get it as soon as possible, even ahead of the legislation, because we can't get it done soon enough as far as I'm concerned. But that legislation is so profound that it would be nice if that legislation were passed. For people who have not been following this, like you and I, mm-hmm. let's talk about the legislation. What is it that we think will really move the ball down the field if this alleged, if this NDAA is in fact enacted as law? Uh, it's it's profound on so many levels. I actually have we have time. We have it, time. I've put it into a PDF file and highlighted it, and uh, uh, you can actually, you know, it's it it can be it's it's a web page, and I could get a link to you maybe through the chat here. Okay, it's not not a long link, uh, but one of the most important things that this legislation d- does. And this was what was put in the bill by Schumer. And again, people that are not following too closely are just not going to appreciate how profound it is. That's why I have you here. Go for it. (laughs) So when Grush comes forward on June the 5th, out of nowhere. God, it's June already? I didn't see him. I didn't see him coming. Good grief time. Uh, Very few people saw him coming. There was a whole bunch of researchers and what have you at the contact in the desert. 
a conference in Indian Wells, which there's going to be another one coming up May 30 next year, uh, who didn't see it coming. And so he comes forward, and for the various reasons we all know, he, he states under oath, initially in an interview, uh, both a print and, and, and television on, on News Nation. On, I think it was New, yeah, News Nation. News Nation. That uh, he has talked with quite a few people. Uh, to confirm what he was told by several insiders, USAP people, people that are working in the unacknowledged programs, that we have crashed vehicles, more than one, and we have bodies. And then he talked to about 30 others uh, and got essentially what for him was substantial additional corroboration. He was able to do this because he's working for the UAP task force, and basically it was kind of his job. Uh, he wasn't happy with the way th- it was handled. He was also very unhappy because he got attacked internally because he was he got out ahead of this the, the process, kind of cut in line in a way or whatever, and and eventually he ends up being a whistleblower. Well, and he comes forward. Didn't he file a suit with the Inspector General of the DOD? He filed a claim with the intel- Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, which he he won in a sense that they agreed that he was being harassed and they took measures. But there's no way to completely stop harassment. It's like getting. Uh, what do they call them? Um, uh, uh, you know, these uh, orders that people have to stay away from you. What do you call them? I forget the name. Um, yeah, it's, it's called ostracization. <laughs> no, it's it's a, uh, a, a a court order that someone has to stay away from you, but they rarely work. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, he came forward and and essentially confirmed Roswell and confirmed that we had bodies of technology. He did it under oath. And he wasn't the only person that went to any lengths to kind of push back on that was Kirkpatrick. And that's a whole nother story. Who happens to be head of the DOD Arrow program on UAPs? That's right. And we can get into that a little bit later. He's not the janitor. In other words, when the key... I didn't say he was. Yeah, but most people outside who don't follow this day-to-day, they basically see claim and counterclaim. You know, well, claim is was, rush, counterclaim is he's crazy. <clears throat> Literally, yeah, he went so, in for mental health treatment at one point. Well, there's, there, that wasn't Kirkpatrick. That was released by somebody else. His, a medical file was released. That was a separate matter. But this was pushed back against Rush. Yeah. Though, <clears throat> the fact is, is that aside from a couple of a couple of things. Oh, by the way, that thing is called a restraining order. Exactly. Uh, and that's he, basically Keith, what they Keith came through. The IG, the IG, the uh, uh, intelligence community provided him, but it's not, it didn't work. So, um, uh, so, but overall, he has not been refuted. The DOD has not refuted him. I'm not, I'm not about Arrow and Perkratrick, just the DOD. The DOD has not refuted him. The Senate Intel Committee has refuted him. The Air Force hasn't refuted him. And in fact, and the members of the Congress were quite satisfied with uh, what he said. Uh, and many of these members. Well, have been when classified he was before pre- the Burchette committee, he kept saying, "Well, I can't really talk about this in ocean session, o- open session." So they he went to. Talk about- so they went to a private meeting, I believe. Is that correct? Not exactly. He, there were things he could not talk about, but even when he said he couldn't talk about it, it was pretty pretty impressive because I mean it confirmed a lot of things. Did they have the private meeting? Uh, apparently, I don't think they did. I don't Luna, think you get the sk- You know the. the- they the weren't table. able to get a skiff right away, so I don't think they had it, but eventually they did get a skiff, but it was weeks later. This was a very complicated event, the whole thing, and it was not supposed to happen, and it created a lot of uh, issues. Of course, it also put the whole bodies and, 
uh, ET tech thing right out and hung it over the entire Washington, D.C. And so in that sense, uh, Grush pretty much locked the back door for any uh, anti-disclosure people to somehow uh, get this thing and slip out the back door with it. He basically shut that. So there was just no way out. And so I'll have to go forward. So in that he served, you know, I think history pretty well. But he wasn't, he wasn't refuted. So now the issue of bodies and tech is now in play. And it's being written up in articles all over the United States and the UK and elsewhere. I have those articles linked on my site. I'm up to 1,650 articles for just this year alone. Okay, so that happens. That happens on June the 5th. 39 days later, on July the 14th, is when Chuck Schumer comes forward out of nowhere. Nobody saw it coming, just like they didn't see Grush coming. And states there's language that he is putting in that bill. The sponsor was Reed, Senator Reed. But he, he is he as the Senate Majority Leader, he has the ability to put that language out to go yeah, into course. a bill. And well he also language, has the ability, Stephen, if he wanted to really push the issue, he simply says to Warner, hold the damn hearing. I don't think he can force Warner to hold it, but he could certainly lean on him. What he did do was come out uh, on July the 14th and say, I'm putting some language in this bill. A number of things. But the most important language, that he went to some lengths to, to, to state so to make sure that everybody got the message, was this bill was going to claim language that – was going to claim in legislative language, make it clear that any non-human – of course, they're using words which are not going to – get people to overreact, but everybody knows what non-human technology means. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think porpoises are creating spaceships. The point is is that non-human technology that may exist uh, out there in the United States in the hands of anybody, including any corporations or gov- uh, you know, government contractors, belongs to the United States. It's the US property. It's eminent domain. And he goes further. He states that after, in a certain length of time, about 300 days from the signing of the bill. Which is almost that, a year. Which doesn't matter. I mean, he could have said 30 days, could have said 300, could have said 3,000. It doesn't matter. It's just process. He's saying that uh, we want a report from everybody that has any of that. So if you've got a saucer 50 feet, uh, levels under you know, Barry uh, 51 or, or one of these other bases uh, – You've got a report that you have it, right? And that report's going to get forwarded up through the ranks, and it's going to get to us. We want a full accounting of all the non-human tech you have and bodies. So eminent domain ha- means pretty much what it means. I mean, it's, it's, it's ours. Don't think it isn't. And if we want it, we will have it. But, but first we want to report. But just because it's reported up the chain, does it become public? Again, that simply the fact that it's getting reported at all would be enormously significant. But more more important than that, not if we don't know about it. Uh, Well, I'll get to that in a second. Not if you can be hung for national security leakage. If you leak, oh yeah, we got spaceships. Again, there's more to the bill than I'm talking about. You're getting ahead of it. Okay. So essentially, what what did he do there? Schumer. Yeah, when this when the Senate Majority Leader comes out and says we're going to include language in a bill. That covers this non-human technology thing, which basically is putting into law the Grush statement. It confirms the Grush statement. 
if there if there was absolutely no non-human technology, as the government would have assessed for stated for seventy years, there's absolutely no way you wouldn't put that language in a bill. It would be ridiculous. But by doing that, by putting it out there, he confirms Grush. He's saying, yeah, he's he's telling the truth, which confirms Roswell, which confirms the government's known about this since seventy six years, At least. which is everything we've been saying. All right. And so this is extraordinary what he did there. And a lot of people it's think, extraordinary well, wait, it'll... if it becomes law. No, not necessarily. In fact, it doesn't have to become law and still it'll have major impact. Why? Because he did it and then that language was posted on the website right. of the Senate where it's been sitting for months and read by countless people around the world and available to anybody. In other words, if you were if you were an absolutely, totally classified USAP person working on alien craft right, it, uh, not now, all you have to do is go online, go to the website, and you can read exactly what, what uh, Schumer just put out there. So everybody Which isn't was relevant until it becomes law because they can't uh -uh. come out and say, oh, look, look over here. Let's see what we got. No, no, Dick. It is quite relevant. It is a then message tell me to how. every – Tell me how. Because the Senate Majority Leader has just said, I would like to see language that puts eminent domain on all non-human technology, crash vehicles and bodies, which sends a message that one, he supports crush, two, he supports everything the Senate Intel Committee's been doing, he supports the disclosure process, and he's putting everybody on notice. So, so even so hang if- on, Hang on, hang on, he, he put this forward on July 14th, right? Correct. It's now November 5th. Mm -hmm. Why hasn't there been a stampede of insiders saying, hey, I got a piece of wreckage over here. Nothing. It's, because it's that's, crickets. That's, no, no. That would be ridiculous. He has put it out there, the stat, the, what, what the government's position is on the non-human tech that we've all known we have, but of course the government's position, no, we don't. So he's confirming we have it. He's confirming it's important, and he's confirming that I'm prepared to take eminent domain on that. So he sent this message. So even if the law, do, even if that language is stripped out of the bill, he knows exactly what he's doing because he knows the message has still been sent. And they could pass that legislation anytime they want to. It doesn't have to be part of an NDA. It could be a bill passed in January or February. In other words, he has really sent an incredibly important message to the entire military intelligence and well, civilian complex. You just complex. said it doesn't have to be enacted. It's important just that he said it or that he put it, it in the record. One – the message has been sent, and that's extremely important, and he's on the record, too. Just because it doesn't get passed in the NDA bill, that legislation can be resubmitted to the House and passed as a separate bill any time. All right? So the, 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 the situation dramatically changes at that point. So he comes out on the 14th, it only, and which really set things on fire. And it only took the House 12 days to put that committee – uh, subcommittee hearing together and get Crush in there and get him on the record under oath that follows. So tell you what, we, got... are, we are at the top of the hour. Hold it there. My guest this morning, and we're having the conversation, is Stephen Bassett. We're discussing about how do we, how do we cross this damn finish line? It's like, you know, we're right almost, we're almost in Allentown and it keeps receding. As long as we see it, it keeps getting farther and farther away, not closer and closer, at least perceptually. 
And when we come back, you know, we're going to get to Abby Loeb. Don't worry. I want to talk about Burchette and um, uh, Luna. And they did get to a skiff. And all kinds of weird stuff came out about that that uh, was not encouraging. Anyway, we're talking tonight about the disclosure process of going from most people thinking that this stuff, this claim is science fiction, bodies, alien spacecraft, government owns them, government has known this for decades and decades and kept it secret. We're going from that to when it becomes open public knowledge and citizens can react. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports, We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.